Let go of that booty. How'd you get signed to Motown? Well, uh, this club, when we got out here, uh, Skip, uh, our manager, got us with uh, got us with this club. It was called the Century 3000. This club was the most unique club because the stage, the backstage of the backdrop, the backdrop of the stage was uh, was the outside of the club. was the It was the glass window. The whole backstage, the back of the stage was the glass window, which as you drive down Century and Crenshaw, you could see the stage from the street. And like we always have these hot outfits on and uh, we were playing the Century 3000. We had built that club up to where it was packed every night. People were probably uh, half a mile from the club lined up from opening to closing every night and our manager found that opportunity saw that opportunity as an opportunity to, to bring billy preston one of his friends by to see this pandemonium that we had going there right and when he came in he said oh man these guys gotta play with me i gotta take them with me and within a week of being of him coming there we were in Alaska doing a show with Billy Preston. So now that's a long way from Nashville. Long way from Nashville now, right? <laughs> so we go to Alaska. We do the show with Billy. Uh, that was the introduction to because Billy had time with Motown at that time, and that was kind of the introduction. But uh, when we got back from off the road with. Um, with uh, uh, Billy from Alaska, that little Alaskan thing we did. We went back to the club. Next person uh, uh, Skip brings down is uh, Gwen Gordy. He brings, Gwen, you got to see my group. You got to see my group. She comes down, sees that line of people, goes, oh, my God, look at this. This is crazy, right? Comes in, sees the group, takes us to our house that night. We're Motown artists that night. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately we didn't do a lot of stuff that was you know that we should have done because it was a lot of excitement there but we actually were Motown artists that night how 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 celebratory were you guys when you knew you were gonna blown away it was the it was the most incredible it was first of all when we left the club, the ride from the club to Beverly Hills to our house was had to be the, oh my God, I, I can't believe this. You know, we we really going to Beverly Hills. First, we're going to Beverly Hills, okay? That's, well, we're going to Beverly Hills, uh, finally, right? 
this is it. And she was, this is Barry Gordy's sister. This is Gwen Gordy, Gordy, Gordy. That's the word. That's the only word. It's Gordy, right? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and they when they when we got there, they treated us so special. Uh, 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 Anna Gay, Miss Gay, uh, Miss Fuller, uh, Gwen Fuller. That it was. Uh, they were so special to us, and they treated us so special. Uh, there's a. I don't. I'm not. I'm gonna leave that story out. <laughs> so, so you, you you signed in like seventy eight or seventy nine? Uh, yeah, seventy nine. Well, seventy eight, because we kind of you know did hung out and you know I I I ended up I was the young one, so I still always had to be supervised. I still wasn't eighteen, so I couldn't really go nowhere. All every the whole I was still the young guy, just like like with the endeavors when i put ozone together those are all older guys right everybody's older than me still uh probably everybody had me by at least five years i was probably maybe uh no six, 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 maybe three four years at the closest to wow. the next guy so tell us about how the first record walk on came together uh well realistically we had been in the studio throughout the whole year of 78 you know just recording demos and you know uh, uh i don't know if anybody's aware of the history of motown but getting a song passed through motown's is damn near impossible <laughs> so uh uh you know songwriting is a big deal and you got to write a lot of songs before you really get to Okay, this is a good one, you know. So uh, <clears throat> in '78, we was writing a lot of songs. We came up with this one that they really was very fond of, called "Don't Throw Our Love Away," and uh, took forever. To, this is when I learned about recording and everything. It took forever just to do one song, you know, because of so much, you know. Uh, we orchestra and guys coming in, you know, it's a lot of production there, right? Um, we did the Don't Throw Our Love Away and presented it. Gwen presented it, and they loved the song, but here's the dilemma. We were either going to get put on the back burner because they didn't have a slot to release another R&B group or whatever, at that particular time, Commodores, I think, had just released that album. Uh, uh, stuff was happening, right? Maybe Rick had just came out with You and I or something, right? Stuff was happening, right? Switch was big right around then, too. Switch was starting, yeah. Bob, Bobby had gotten everybody's attention. Oh, man, Bobby was amazing. Uh, as far as they, they just, oh, my God. Bobby, you couldn't walk anywhere without hearing his name. Um, but we didn't get a chance to uh, do an album. But Lee Young Sr. had just created a jazz division called Mo Jazz, right? And our manager came to us in a rehearsal one day and he said, look, I might have a way we can avoid waiting on getting a shot. 
they said if we can do a jazz record, if we can do a jazz record, then we can get a record out now. So what we did, we said, oh, can we do a jazz record? Of course. All these guys, I mean, we had, Ozone was full of some of the best musicians, man. These guys were amazing, all virtuoso musicians. Keyboard player, Jimmy Stewart, and these guys, man, they were <laughs> the best of the best, really. Uh, so we we went back with all those songs that we had been recording in 78 that had all these words. That we spent all this year writing words and changing words and flipping words and, <laughs> and breaking people in and took all the words off of most of those songs and made instrumentals out of them. We said, oh yeah, we can do instrumentals. And, and horn players started getting creative and creating melodies to those songs. And uh, Walk On became uh, the first song from the project. Now, here's the history behind Walk On and me being on the interview. Walk On was the very first song I ever wrote, period, as a songwriter. And uh, it was pretty successful. So my very first shot at it, <laughs> my very first shot at it was pretty good. Yeah. Yes. Well, so you made some uh, lemonade out of lemons with that one. Made some right? lemonade out of lemons from that one, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I heard a lot of, like, you know, Cool in the Gang, Earth, Wind, and Fire kind of influence going Yes. Through. Yeah, well, yes. Yeah, we, we were already that anyway. Uh, as a top 40 band, when we was playing in the clubs, you couldn't go hear a top 40 band that played the songs... I want if that's a word I want to use. I don't want to because I don't want you know. I'm very carefully putting down other guys when I'm when I'm trying to build up what we did. But we were really good at it, man. We would if you were going to be on a show with us and you were going to play some of those same songs, you better come ready because we were going to smoke you on it. If we were doing Earth, Wind, and Fire, oh, we used to do. Uh, uh, ba -da -da, ba -da -da, da -da -da. Uh, what was that? In the stone? Yeah, in the stone. Oh, we would hit that. It would be so earth, wind, and fire. It would freak me out every time we played it because it would just really be it. Wouldn't be no, it wouldn't be almost the chords or the horns kind of got it. You know what I mean? The drummer's kind of playing it. No. And Verdine was my favorite, so I had him down. <laughs> I loved it. So, uh, we so you had did a really Lee, good job. Lee Young produced that one. Yeah, Lee yeah. Young produced that, yes. Um, yeah. And he, he, he was really, uh, uh, you know, if you wasn't, a, he was something else about musicians. You had to be really good or he wouldn't, he wouldn't even, he wouldn't mess with you. So, and he, he loved it. I think he really enjoyed doing that project. The Dash Band had to do a, a jazz album, too. They were caught up in that same little thing right around the same time we were. Another Motown, yeah. Yes. Yep. I love the title, though. This is Funkin' Insane. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's how we were thinking back then. That, that, was, that was part of the that was some of that comedy. That J, that J, uh, uh, all of those songs, all of those titles, because now 
these are not songs we were really right. That's not uh, uh, fucking insane. Wasn't the name of that song when we were trying to write it for vocals. It was, you know, who knows what that was then. But that was uh, that was kind of like funk. This is fucking insane. Was a uh, uh, like meaning what you just told us to do. We've been working on all these songs for a year. Now you want us to, to fucking <laughs> you want us to change and write some instrumentals out of all of these. This is fucking insane, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it's really, really strong though. Um, funk, very horn-heavy instrumental. Yes. Yeah, our horn players were the best. Yeah, they were, they were the best, best horn players. I'm sorry, best, best in the business. They were. They didn't get the credit for being that. They didn't get the credit for being that. Outside of you seeing them, when you saw them. If Billy Preston was alive today, he'd come right on this screen and say, yes, best one players. Guaranteed. And that same year, you guys got to work a little bit with Tina Marie? Yes. Um, I uh, When we did that then, they sent Tina over to Ozone. We had a house. And, and I call I say that because we used to call it the ozone house. People talk about that. Oh man, the ozone house used to be on Forty uh, Third uh, and Crenshaw on the corner, the most exciting corner in LA because we rehearsed every day, every day. You could go to McDonald's or Pet Boys right there, and you would hear a live concert as you were anywhere within that between 43rd and Adams on Crenshaw, it was a concert every day because we rehearsed every day. <laughs> it was never a day that we didn't rehearse. Um, uh, but uh, uh, I lost my thought. Uh, Tina. Yes. They sent Tina over to uh, uh, work on some, just work on some songs. And... Uh, this was after she had already did Sucker with For Your Love with uh, with Rick. So she was, they were trying to now, they were kind of trying to, I, yeah, I will. They were peeling her away from Rick at this point because now they were trying to really create Tina, Tina Marie, not not Rick's girl Tina, right? Because, you know, that started to be a thing, but they, they wanted, to, uh, or at least that's why I felt it was was going on. Uh, so they sent Tina over to just work on some music with, oh, you know, these cats really have fun and they play good. And I, I think they could really help you out. She comes over. She's like, I, we, I, I want, I don't know. I don't really know. I say, well, what about something like, and I, boom, I start the doom, 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 ba ba do boom. Right, I started playing that, and, and we were so tight as a band that once one of us started playing something, the very first thing that the next guy would play would always be the right thing. It would never be like you have to stop and say, "Damn, what you playing? That is not where I'm going with this." You know, no, it, it would always be the next thing. Keyboard player Jimmy would come in with the next, with the first chord to that bass line. It would be per the perfect chord. Oh, 
That's it. I wouldn't even have to stop playing. I just keep on right, and and that's where that went. Horn players, they did the same thing. Just keep that groove going. As long as you don't change, just hold it down until we figure out what to do. And before we knew it, we was in there, had behind the groove, killing. She comes in, hey, I don't know, something about this, something about this is kind of like, makes me feel like it's behind the groove or something. Something about the way the drummer was playing. Right? She was like, ah, something, it's like behind the groove, right? She starts writing. We we write behind the groove together, uh, um, go in and record it. Dick uh, Rudolph produce. Uh, he's really hot at the time. Uh, that was the beginning of Tina Marie being Tina Marie, no Rick James, no Rick James influence. Tina Marie's. I'm gonna say this. I have to say it. Because I never really get a chance to too often. Too often. Tina Marie is Tina Marie. Her voice is her voice. That is her. She's the greatest. One of the best I've ever heard. But that sound, that groove, that 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 feel, her life, the uh, the uh, the uh, and I, I mean her music life, the. Going from the regular groove to the jazz, all that stuff, all ozone, all ozone, all ozone. I'm gonna spin around, say it again, all ozone. Okay, because you know we don't get to tell this, right? No, it's good you tell, especially because I think a lot of people think that maybe it's a Stone City band. No, exactly. Not to mention that. Yeah. Even though I can tell you a little secret on, on uh, <laughs> I might get to tell this little, I never got to tell this, hopefully. And I, 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 I did see you have Stone City Band on Lannis and those guys on here, right? Uh, 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 I, I never got to say it to him either, and I love him. But Oscar, you know on Behind the Groove, you came in overdub some bass on my top of my bass. I ain't crazy. I know you did. <laughs> it's good. And it didn't, you know, it was, it was a good enhancement. But Oscar is also playing on that bass. <laughs> I know that. I never got to say that, by the way. Well, that's beautiful. That's why this is truth and rhythm. Yes. You know, but um, Behind the Groove, one of my all-time favorites. Uh, I, I, one of my all-time favorite singers, too. I mean, to me, for me personally, it's shocking. My favorites, but yeah. Tina was unbelievable, dude. Her voice was so huge. Her voice was so big. It's like, damn, she was so little, too. It loved it. <laughs> we thought of it at the same time. She was so tiny. It was like, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Loved her. She was, she, was, she, was, she, was, she was the best. She was. And we went, I didn't because of Alan, Alan McGuire, who, uh, if you guys know Alan, Alan wrote a lot of songs with her, uh, Square Biz and uh, uh, Need Your Love and a lot of songs he wrote with her, uh, Alan, bass player. And so by her, uh, by Alan and her being really close friends, that kind of moved me out, but it didn't move out actual ozone. 
it kind of made me not play on all, you know, I only got to play on so a few records, me personally, but Ozone, the horn players, Jimmy, keyboard player, Jimmy played with it all the way to the end. Paul, Paul the drummer, Paul is the reason for her whole feel. For the Tina Marie, because, you know, her songs always kind of had a little jazz thing to, you know what I mean? Her stuff was always funky, but just like, how is this funky, but it still feel kind of jazz? How are they doing this, right? That was all Paul Hines. That was Paul Hines. That was a trickery to, uh, 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 that's what Ozone, that's another thing with our songs. It was something about them. They always had this feel, it was, even though it was funk. It's like, damn, but I'm still like some jazz there some kind of way. Well, well especially with the horns. But, yeah, let's talk about the next Ozone record, Jump On It. Yes. So you got to add vocals. It was a big change from that yeah, first we got Almost like night and day, really, from that first yes. record. Um, but it was also more mainstream R&B than what your other stuff would be. Well, at that point, the company had completely taken over. Now they were, uh, now they were okay. We're gonna put this group out. We're gonna put it out for real. And this is something that we're behind now, right? We're gonna be behind your movement. So now you have to have a hit, right? Not trusting y'all for this hit. We're gonna go get, <laughs> right? And so <laughs> they went out and got uh, uh, Michael Lovesmith. Uh, to produce the record. Now, I didn't realize producing the record meant you were going to actually do the record. <laughs> I thought producing the record means you were going to come and assist <laughs> us into a really great project, right? Well, Michael decided this was his opportunity to do an album himself. <laughs> and he did. I, I love you, Michael, but you know what you did. And so Michael turns in the album, because remember, Jermaine was hot at that time. And yep. if you go back and listen to those songs, <laughs> it's not like a Jermaine album. <laughs> that, that, if you listen to half of that album, it sounds like a Jermaine album. You flip it over, it turns into an Ozone album. It's kind of weird. Great songs he wrote, but it wasn't us. And then he wrote them so for himself that when he tried to pitch it to the singers in the group, Billy White, Ray, Woodard, he tried to pitch it to these guys to sing them. They didn't really sound right because he wanted them to sound like, he actually wrote them sound like he wrote them all for Jermaine. And, and Jermaine might have said no to him or never got to him or whatever. But most of those songs sounded like he kind of wrote them, you know, because they, he, he, his vibe is like Jermaine. So that's not a negative. I keep bringing up the Jermaine part. It's actually a positive. And what I did like about it, it immediately brought us to have a sound that was very familiar real quick, right? Uh, and it, it was considered the Motown sound too. And, uh, uh, and the songs were really good. So it was a good start to the album, even though the single was the song that we wrote, that if you flip over the album, <laughs> it's uh, Michael was the lead of the album. He was the lead of putting the album together. He was the lead of selling the album to the company, the whole lead of the whole movement. But once they got it and got a hold of it and listened to it, 
they ended up releasing uh i think the first record that came out for that album was jump on it no that was just the name of it i think they ended up going with ozotic bebop i don't know for me personally um i thought one of the strongest ones was come on in come on in was oh Love me some come on in. Yes. Come on in was very, very strong song. Yes. Very strong song. Yeah. And Ray and, and, sang and Mighty, Mighty out of that not, thing too. Mighty Mighty is not to be confused with the Earth Wind of Fire too. Mighty Mighty was as rip off as you could rip off. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry, Earth. Sorry, Maurice. We had to get you on it. But that wasn't us. That was uh that we we performed it. Okay, here, okay, good, good. I'm glad you said that, because realistically, that goes back to what I said when I said we did cover songs, and if you watched us do a cover song, you'd be like, man, that's that's almost better than Earth, Wind, and Fire, the way they sounding right now. You know, this is live, and this is sounding just like, well, that Mighty Mighty, when he brought that to us, that's how we was able to make that really sound like Earth, Wind & Fire record. Because as soon as he started playing the chords or something, we were like, man, this is kind of like Earth, Wind & Fire right here, right? So at that point, it, didn't, it was the horn players instantly was able to jump on that and come up with, you know, we was able to make that a Earth, Wind & Fire 2 record. Yes, we were. When you mentioned the uh, Ozonic Bebop. Yes. Nice bass plucking on that one. Yes. Now, Ozonic Bebop, there's a little story behind that because, of course, you know who came up with that. I did. Uh, I remember being in the pitch meeting with Michael. Michael, that, that produced the album, right? Uh, and sang half of it. And because I knew he was going to sing half of it because, and the reason he sang half of it because he wasn't feeling nothing that we were bringing to the table. It was like everything we played for him, it was kind of like, ah, yeah, but now, I don't know, I don't know. He kept doing that, right? So now I got Ozonic Bebop sitting in my holster, right, saying, nah, I'm not even saying nothing because I, I, I've watched him shoot the whole room down. I'm not getting ready to let him shoot me down, right? But then right before the meeting got ready to end, I didn't like the fact that he didn't like nothing. I said, now I don't like the fact that he's shooting everything down. Something weird about that to me. And I go real shy, because I was a very shy kid. And I said, look, I wrote this one song. Oh, and it was also my first lyrics that I had written. Right? So if you listen to those lyrics, they are kind of corny. But it was my first lyrics. And so I, I was scared. I was terrified to present this song that I wrote music and lyrics and i said he's gonna read those and you know thicker and tighter than a jar of peter pan peanut butter you know tilt pop you know I'm like, i was all over the place right it was a good good line that was actually and so i played him i, I said well real shy i said before everybody go i said michael i got this one song that i wrote last night you might want to check it out and so i started playing the bass line and he was like oh I'm feeling that already, right? He's like, okay, now we... That's the first time he did this, the whole meeting. And we're at the end of the... we at the time to go home from the meeting. 
So he goes, oh, my God, man, this is okay. I'm feeling this. Okay, so what are we talking about? What's the song? So I'm like, okay, now I got to read this corny lyrics to him, right? This is a song about a funky, funky sound. The best sound all over town. Jamming, jamming to the best that we can. Thicker and tighter than a jar of Peter Pan. Peanut butter, right? And he goes, oh, my God, this is awesome. I can't, you've been sitting there holding this through the whole meeting. He goes there, dude. And, and he goes, oh, I got to I hear this thing, how the drums can go. And the way the drums play, when the drums kind of do this roll all the way through that, that was his idea. Oh, I think the drums, do, do, boom, because they go with that bass line, right? That's not really the drum beat that I had in mind to go with that bass line. But I, I roll with it, you know, I, I work with, right? So I said, okay, yeah, let's do that. And that's how that song came about. Were, were you lyrically uh, inspired by Lenny White's Peanut Butter? Actually, no. I just I just was sitting there, didn't know what to write. And I'm, I'm trying to think of how, how tight of a band we are. I said, man, we're so tight. I said, thicker and tight. I said, well, are we thick? That was already a horrible lyric to have written. We are thicker. Okay, how are we thicker? None of us is fat, so that's not going to be, that's not the, we're not thick like that. I said, well, we're kind of a big group, so that kind of makes us, uh, no, that's not going to work. Okay, what's thick? So, jar Peter, Peter Pan peanut butter is all I could come up with. <laughs> and we were thick as a time, jar Peter Pan, we were bad. We did, were did tight. Did you guys uh, go out and tour it all after the first two records, or not yet? Well, here's here's why uh, Ozone uh, to me uh, missed a lot of our fan base. Uh, Motown wasn't a big believer in putting their acts on funk shows and stuff. You know what I mean? Rick James kind of did his own thing. You'd have to be on Rick James's funk show if you go. Uh, be part of that movement, right? Every blue moon, he would maybe go do a funk fest with Zap and those guys, you know, a bunch of funk cap band and stuff. But Motown really kept kept us because Motown was kind of pop. It was funk, you know what I mean? That was that were more pop than like funk. It was yeah. R and B, but still more, they always were going for the pop value. Yeah, the funk was more polished. Yes, the polished funk. Everything was polished, exactly. Commodores were polished. Especially you know. by then, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. And so uh, we were always going for that. Uh, I, I'm so upset with this question. That's why. <laughs> because the answer to that is no, but yes, okay? No, because the reason you haven't seen us live is because of the answer no because they didn't put us in that place where you could see us unless you were a sammy davis jr fan or something like that you wouldn't have seen ozone unless you caught us the one or two times that we did get to do it um we um had an option thrown at us when we were releasing records our record would come out and it, it'd be on the radio get in the top 100, start climbing the charts, doing all the right things. And then something would come up because we were such a great band and Billy Preston always wanted to use us 
uh, Sarita Eustace, uh, DeBars Eustace, High Energy Eustace, everybody Eustace for their, for their backup music, right? And they all was really doing some really fabulous things and really great shows. Billy Preston opening up for Sammy Davis Jr. Okay, here's the question that was asked to us. Manager comes into the room. He says, okay, guys, I got, we can either stick around, keep doing our thing, try to get us some gig, get on funk tours, you know, maybe do that kind of stuff. Or you can open as Ozone, then play with Billy Preston for Sammy Davis Jr., That was a no-brainer in 1981. A couple of legends. Billy, the fifth Beatle and Sammy Davis Jr. You can't say no to that. No, we want to play with Lakeside. You know what? <laughs> no. So it was an easy decision to make. It didn't want help now, and you know. 25, 30 years later, when people are trying to remember who the group is, and they really can a good thank God the records were great because that's what saved us. Those two songs were really good songs. Yeah. And all the stuff that we did back up and be a part of were really good songs to the ear. So the so I our music got into your head, but we didn't get into your visual. We never got to get into your visual. Not well, enough people. Not the people that that are like now supporting us again. They kind of right. didn't get a chance to see Ozone then. Right, right. So I felt like the third record, Send It, you guys came into your own, you know, as yes. far as records. You know, and that, that was that was and then it carried through from there. Yes. So uh that's a great funk album. Yes. You know, um, well, that's when they finally released us all and said, "Okay, you guys know what you're doing. Tina know what she's doing. Y'all know what you're doing. Just go have fun." That was the go have fun record. It's we fun. Got to, we got yes, we got to pick the studio. We recorded at Stevie Wonder Studio. He had the mobile studio where the uh, it's a great place. It's fun. No, nobody around to tell us how to be, you know, could, we could we could have fun and laugh. When there was a joke, we could actually laugh at it, you know. Uh, uh, it, it was this real fun record. And I gotta, it was all of our best. I got to run through some of the highlights for the viewers and listeners. Um, Jigalette led it off, which was one of the bigger hits for Ozone. Yes. And Tina was involved in that. Yes. Definitely a sister song to Behind the Groove. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And um, Tino's also on Over and Over Again, a ballad. Yes. A ballad. Beautiful uh, ballad. Keep on Dancing was another great funk track. Bass yes. is killing it on that one. Yeah. <laughs> we do that live. It goes over real good. We Bad, also a great funk uh, track. Three out of the first four cuts were killing it funk-wise. Yes. Um, do what you want to is real kind of eclectic. You even got yes. like like reggae vibe in there. Yes, uh huh. And we had a lot of fun doing that, and 
you know, because we were we were music people, man. We didn't want to, we we could do any kind of music. So we any chance that anytime somebody came up with something, we said, oh shoot, let's do that, yes. And the trumpet player kind of had the concept to let's do like this raggedy type thing. I got this thing, take it out, do what you want, what you want, what you want. It was like, oh yeah, right, and great songs. Um. Girl, I can't wait. Another uh, really slamming funk track. Yeah. <laughs> to me, a little bit uh, like Mass Productions Firecracker. Uh, yeah. At least as good, I thought. And that was a huge hit. Yeah, that was a huge hit. Um, interesting that Send It ended up being the title of the album because that's definitely one of the mellower tracks. I don't know how you decided on that one to be the album title. but uh, that's, uh, that's pushing the pop button again. Send it was more the pop flavor, right? And that's what they were trying to. That's what they were trying to do was. They were trying to do the pop. They still wanted to keep it. This is a Motown record. It's a class act, right? It's not just some funk. Uh, whoop, whoop, you know, no. They always presented class. And I think Send It is the reason why. Plus, it is a really good song. It, is, it was a good message. It was kind of hard times then. It was That, that was a, a well-needed message. Uh, they didn't promote the record, but <laughs> but uh, uh, <laughs> but at the time we were creating the song, it was a really must-needed message. Yeah. And if you, know, if you really go out there and, and YouTube that song or something and listen to it, it's a must-needed message today. Probably needed more today. Yeah. Than than any time. Well, on all, that was a great record. Should have done better. Um, anyone who's not up on it, who loves funk R&B, needs to go explore. Send it. And um, I already mentioned "Keep on Dancing," but you know that record reminded me a little bit of uh, Candyman or a little of a Rick James kind of. New Candyman by um, Mary Jane Girls. Uh huh. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. Sort of the Rick. Some of the Rick James uh, flavor on that one. Yes. Um, well, you know, it was all family, so we, we you know, <laughs> we tried to keep it right in that little thing there. Yes. Hey man, he was he was killing it then, so that's a good one to end. He with. was definitely. I love me some Rick, man. That's my boy. <laughs> Little Susie uh, totally continued that vibe to me. I mean, another stellar record yes so what can you tell us what do you remember about the making of that one uh little susie is where uh i'll tell you what um i keep saying this but uh we were we were such a musical group that and like, and we played every day together, every day. I mean, I, I know I keep saying it, and I keep saying it really hard like that because it was every day for real. And we played so much music that we never limited ourselves on any music or just striking up any kind of grooves. And that was just one of those times that, you know, I was a big Devo fan. You know, I'm I'm I, I whip it. I was you know, come on, man. I just come on. You just can't you can't beat that, right? That's yeah. good. That's just great. And when I hear great, 
I want to have something to do with great. And every time I hear great, I, some kind of way I end up, you know, that's what we do as music people. We we dabble with it. And so I was dabbling with Devo, Devo I think, when when we came up with this whole Lil Susie idea. And we started thinking, wait a minute, a keyboard player, like I say, when you strike up grooves, nobody has to look at somebody and say, hey, man, play this part. Nope. Next day he comes in with, I'm like, oh, really? Is that what we, and then the drummer, and that's how we wrote songs. We really didn't write songs like, we wrote most of our songs together. As opposed to, you know, I come in and I got this song, okay, horn guys, I want you to do this, guitar player. No, we actually, we were together 24-7 pretty much anyway as a group. And uh, the Ozone House was a house where Ozone lived and hung out. If you didn't live there, you hung out there. Uh, you know, you'd only not sleep there if you didn't live there. Other than that, you were there at the Ozone House. It was the place to be. So, oh, yeah. uh, well, at that time, too, I mean, new wavers were biting some of the funk. Yes. And funk acts were biting some of the new wave. And that's yes. But Super Freak and Prince. Yes. And uh, Alligator Woman with Cameo. And yes. Just, you know, it's like every funk group had their new wave kind of. Yeah, exactly. We was just making sure we gave, you know, we represented and gave our version. And it turned out to be what Motown liked the most. Oh, because... Uh, we were the first to, I want to say the first to actually do it. Yeah, we were the first to do it. Because I think, uh, check the years, but I think Little Susie actually came out before Super Freak did. Um, I'm not mistaken. Well, anyway, it's close in, in time. And Motown, too, even was dabbling a little with new wave kind of sounds because. Rockwell, someone's watching you was kind of new wave. Yeah. And, um, also, Jermaine, something tickle your fancy. Yeah, most of that stuff came after Little Susie, by the way. I'm still going to say it. <laughs> yeah, we started the whole thing with that, I'm telling you. <laughs> and, and, and most of the people that worked there were like, that's what made, that actually was, made us more popular at the company than anything because. Uh, uh, it, it was something that we did where we actually stretched out way beyond what Motown's music was, was doing and was about. And uh, it was, you know, it, the timing was perfect, like you say, because of the other songs that were alligator, uh, Bus Boys even, just, just Bus Boys by themselves was so hot. And Eddie was hot in the movies and he was using Bus Boys in the movies and the Boys are back in town and all of that. That was the hottest thing going then. So it was a good thing for us to jump on at the time. And Motown did not have an act doing that at that time. Love we share between me and you And in 
Forever, as we cherish the nights and held each other.